Will your actions and behavior contribute to win believers or to put people off? Is what I'm doing putting me into freedom or into bondage? And this will be the determining factor if you should keep on doing it, if it's okay, or if you should stop. Hello and welcome to the Y2 Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron O'Connell, and today we are talking about how to make a decision as a Christian. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because very often I have people coming up up to me and saying, hey, is it okay if I do this? Or, hey, am I allowed to still do this? And it just makes me think of what Paul is saying in, in to the church of, of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would a spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? And that's what I am doing this podcast for, because I want to help people to get off the milk and on to the solid food. So there isn't really an answer to right or wrong, because the law is done away with. Instead, it's good or evil. But 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24 has an argument that so many Christians try to hold on to, saying, I'm allowed to do anything. But here's the thing, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So let's, we're going to be diving deep into five questions we can ask ourselves that will make us be secure that we are doing right, that we are, that we will have a clear conscience, that it's not a right or wrong, but we are doing good and not evil, that we are not getting duped into thinking something is okay when it is not. Romans six fifteen through 16 says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can keep on going and sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you desire to be do- doing life righteously and not to be a slave to sin. But we all have our struggles. For some people, they're smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, drinking, um, having a, living with your girlfriend, having sex outside of marriage. And although the Bible is explicit on doing or not doing these things, we tend to justify and we said, we tend to say, Oh, well, we're free of the law. It's grace that we're saved through faith alone for all who believe in for John three sixteen, 
For God so loved the world that God, that he gave his only begotten son. For whoever believes in him shall not perish. All I have to do is believe. All I have to, all I have to do is accept him as my savior. But James 1 through 22 through 26 says, but don't just listen to God's worst word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless, is what James says. Also, Matthew 7.31 says, there's going to be many saying, Lord, Lord, but only those who do the will of my Father will make it into heaven. But you'll say, Lord, Lord, I've, I've cast out demons. I've done miracles in your name. I went to church. I helped out those people. I read the Bible. I was praying to you. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And that is scary, folks. That's why I'm doing this podcast right now. So therefore, you don't have to hear those words. So you don't have to sit here and making these justifications and saying, oh, I'm free from the law. But also, on the same token, I don't want to have anyone get into this extreme law following out of duty and not out of delight and how we're just being so so law-based, where there is no love, there is no relationship. Because even Paul says, I become all things and hoping to save as many souls as I can. And that's what our goal is should be, is to go and make disciples, to be living a life that brings honor and glory to God. So how do we do that? How do we know what we're doing is right or wrong. How do we know if we're contributing to the kingdom of God or if we are being worldly? Well, I have five questions you need to ask yourself, and this will be the determining factor if you should keep on doing it, if it's okay, or if you should stop. So the very first one is, the question is, does it offer freedom or bondage? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, we should be chasing freedom and not bondage. So, ask yourself, is what I'm doing putting me into freedom or into bondage? Another way to ask that is, would I be okay if I didn't have this? If you are not okay you have a false idol. You have a false God. You are not making the Lord over every area of your life. You are having something over him that you turn to other than him. You can, let's just give an example, drinking. Jesus drank. He had wine. He turned, his first miracle was wine. But the question is, does it offer freedom or bondage? We know we're not supposed to get drunk because then we, we don't think straight. That's science. But 
Does it offer freedom or bondage? For some people, one drink they know will put them right back into the bondage that they have escaped. So for them, they should not do it. But for another, it will. It could just be a, hey, on the 4th of July, I have a beer or two. And that's totally okay if you are okay with not having it. If you don't need that drink every single night. If it's not the drink that gives you the, the, the less anxious feelings. That you're not looking for the drink for comfort. Because God is our comfort. He is our source of comfort. So the question is, does it offer freedom or bondage? Be real with yourself when you're answering these questions. The second question, does it build me up or break me down? 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17 says, Don't you realize that all together uh, that you all together are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So the question is, is what you're doing building you up, or is it breaking you down? Is the food you're eating helping you gain strength and energy and allow you to perform your purpose that God has put you on this earth? Or is it making you tired? Is it making you lazy? Is it making you fat where you then all of a sudden have no confidence and you don't have the and you don't feel like you can do anything because you can't even control that area of your life? Or when you're if you're smoking marijuana, if you're if you're not if you're not feeling like when to do the things that you know you ought to do, because doing not doing that is a sin, James says. Are you feeling less than? Are you feeling like you're procrastinating? Are you feeling depressed because you're doing it? This is a these are questions you need to ask. Does it build me up or break me down? The third question: Does it leave you feeling guilty? Or does it make you feel great and closer to God? Romans 8, 1 through 8 states, So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his only son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature cannot please God. So are you feeling guilty in what you're doing? Or do you feel great and closer to God when you're doing what you're doing? Ask this question of yourself. Be real with yourself. 
Because if you are still under control of your sinful nature, you can never please God. Romans 8, 8 states. That's not my opinion. It may sound harsh, but this is the Bible. And the Bible cuts through joint and marrow. Jesus was very controversial. He wasn't somebody that was just like, oh yeah, just do your own thing. It's love. No, it's love and truth. Love with the absence of truth is not love at all. So ask yourself, are you feeling guilty? Are you following that sinful nature over and over and over again? Are you following what pleases the Spirit? Are you feeling great about what you're doing? Are you feeling closer to God about what you're doing? Or are you feeling guilty? Ask that question of yourself and be honest. The fourth question, are your actions selfish? Or are you sensitive to the feelings of others? Romans 14, 1-4 states, Accept the ones whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The ones who eats everything must not treat in contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So the, are your actions selfish, or are you sensitive to the feelings of others? When you're doing things, are you just operating in your own freedom saying, oh, well, I can do it because I'm free. I don't need to do that. When there's somebody else that is less further on your walk, are you, contri- are you, are you contributing to their downfall? Are you sensitive to their feelings? Because we need to make sure we love. We need to make sure that others We consider others more important than ourselves, the Bible says. So we can't be going around being selfish and only thinking of ourselves. And because we know what is right or what the Bible says or whatever that is, we need to be sensitive to the feelings of others. I'll put this in a context of a relationship. Everyone always loves to say, oh, the woman is always right. Happy wife, happy life. But we know that men need to be the leaders of the family. And that's not true at all. We can't just always say, oh, happy, got to keep the wife happy and, and do and just not stand for anything. But even if the wife is wrong or your husband is wrong or anyone in another relationship is wrong, Your goal should not be so selfish to try to prove your point, to try to be right. That's not loving at all. You should instead be sensitive to the feelings of others. You should want to understand what the other person is feeling. You should want to understand why that person feels the way they do. They can be wrong as much as, you know, sin is wrong. But... You need to understand them first. You need to be sensitive of why they're doing what they're doing. Care, love first. 
Then when you show that you care, when you are sensitive to their feelings, when you hear their feelings out, then you will be able to present the truth in a way that will be easily digested by them. So then they will actually turn away from what they're doing that's harming them and start living a life according to truth. You need to be sensitive to the feelings of others. It's not Oh, I love them because I love them the way that I know that I need to love them. That's not love at all. You need to try to figure out how they feel loved. How they want to be, what the things that make them feel loved. And then start loving them in that way. That is when love is truly and fully expressed. So that fourth question is, are your actions selfish? Or are you sensitive to the feelings of others? And the fifth question you need to ask yourself, will your actions and behavior contribute to win believers or to put people off? Romans 14, 13 through 19. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because everyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. And to summarize all that, are what is what you're doing putting people off? Let me give you an example. Swearing. Some people are like, hey, it's okay to swear. Even though there's, there's, there are different passages in the Bible that will say, hey, keep your yes to your yes. Let no foul language come from your mouth. The tongue has the, the ability to destroy or to breathe life. And they will use these things. But let's run it through those five questions. But let's just and start with that fifth question or just do the fifth question. Is your actions behavior contributing to win believers or to put them off? So let's just say you're around your Christian brother and you're talking, you both are chasing God. You're both only talking about God and all that stuff. And all of a sudden you stub your toe and you drop a big old F-bomb. First off, I would be saying, uh, if you can't control your tongue during that time, the likelihood that you'll be able to around others is very low. But during that time, did you really sin? I would argue not, because you and your brother know that you are doing everything you can not to curse, that you're on this way. You're not contributing to that other person to be put off. But if you drop that F-bomb around people that don't know Christ, and they hear you say it, they're going to be like, I thought that so-and-so was a Christian, and he has that filthy mouth? What a fake Christian. Those Christians are so stupid. They say one thing and do the other. 
You just put somebody off because of your mouth. That's why you should be constantly training your mouth, even if it is okay in your own area. And that's what the the spirit, what your spirit has said to you, all that stuff. Because go look at your, if you had a child, do you want your child to be saying it like you? And of course not. Let's look at it as food. This is a big one in, in the health and industry world. If you have a, let's just say you have a six pack, you are skinny, you are fit, whatever that looks like, and you're sitting here and dieting under these strict rules. And under these strict rules, you're eating and you're like, oh, I can't have that bread. I can't have it. That bread will make me fat. And you're sitting with somebody that is twice to three times the size of you. Are you breathing life into them? Are you contributing to win that believer? Or are you putting them off? Those, it's their thoughts going in their head that say, wow, if they think of it that way and they think they're fat and they're doing that, what do they think of me? Oh, you're not contributing to win that believer over. You're not being sensitive, back to question four, of their feelings. A lot of people will say, oh, don't care what people think. That's a horrible statement. Because we are supposed to be models of Christ. We are supposed to be doing all we can to live righteously and live like Christ in order to win just maybe yet another believer and save them from the wrath of the eternal damnation of hell and burning sulfur. The lake of fire. That's real. We don't want to be doing anything to put people off to to Christ or that because we're not sensitive of their feelings or our behaviors contributing to put them off. We have to really analyze what we're doing. Will this win over a believer or put, put them off? Will this behavior contribute to the kingdom of God and expand the kingdom of God? Or will it start shrinking it? Will it put barriers in front of people? Ask you, these five questions are paramount. Because it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's good and evil. And what we're all looking for is freedom. And freedom then is not the absence of limitations or constraints. But it's finding the right ones. Those that liberate us. It's what finds love. Because Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, dear friends, let us contribute to love one another or continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. True freedom is doing what we want to do as long as it's what we ought to do. So to sum it all up, those five questions. One, does it offer freedom or bondage? Two, does it build me up or break me down? Three, does it leave you feeling guilty or does it make you feel great and closer to God? Four, are your actions selfish or are you sensitive to the feelings of others? And five, will your actions and behavior contribute to win believers or to put people off. When making a decision, it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of good and evil. So I'll leave you with Galatians 5.16. So I say, let 
the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves because that sinful nature is craving death and it will only result in death. But if you follow the Holy Spirit, you will find life and life in abundance and you will live in freedom. <laughs>